0: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles.
1: Alright, welcome into the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast. Brendan Glasheen once again filling in for Nick Cattles. Greg Bedard is also here. It's brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. And of course, LinkedIn jobs, which makes it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free greg has the latest on boston sports journal boston sports and we're into the off season now greg will also in this episode look ahead to divisional round weekend greg had a very nice uh set of picks last week when we did this segment last thursday so we'll see if he can keep it keep it going going into the divisional round but uh keep it going baby here yeah, we go yeah and it, it, it's gonna get tougher right because the, the games this yeah, for sure. are really really good and you look at the games this weekend just quickly. You look at the games this weekend. You're mm-hmm. like, wow, it, it did not make sense why it was easy to pick some of those games last weekend because this this wild card round is kind of gross. Um, but anyway, we'll get to that. So uh, the gist of your column, Greg, is kind of what we talked about on Tuesday. We're still trying to wonder and figure out what does Bill Belichick do. With his coaching staff. Now, some of this, of course, is out of his control because certain yep. fellas on his staff are gonna make decisions for their futures. And Bill will go through with that process, as we know. But when guys get offered jobs and certain, you know, certain guys depart, how is he gonna make that adjustment and bring new guys in? So what is your latest developing take on Bill Belichick's surrounding cast?
0: Yeah, and we sort of did talk about it last time, but I mean, I think it it, it has to start with the defensive side of the ball. And like you said. It might be out of his hands. Could Gerard Mayo get the Houston Texans job or something like that? Yes. and But still, I don't think it changes the fact that Bill needs to look at his defensive staff, figure out what happened down the stretch. And from what I've been told, there was a disconnect between the players and, and the coaches. Figure out what exactly that was. Ask a lot of tough questions. Tell people to be honest with you. Uh, and then figure out the best way to move forward from there. I mean, we even heard as the week went on, you know, Scott Zolak is is talking on Zolak and Bertrand on 98.5 about how he was hearing that between Belichick, Steve Belichick, uh, Bill Belichick, Steve Belichick, and Gerard Mayo, that these guys were all leading different meetings each day. Now, that in itself, uh, to let people know, is not all that highly unusual because, uh, each day of the week, when whether you're talking offense or defense in the NFL, you're dealing with a different portion of the game. Like Wednesday is the big kickoff. All right, here's our overall game plan on defense. You know, you're talking to the defensive meeting. And this is what we're going to do. These are the points that we're going to be working on. These are the three, four things that we need to do to win this game. And this is, this is reflected in our game plan. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was Bill Belichick's domain on Wednesdays. Uh, you know, at least for the bulk of the season, we don't know what happened after the bye week. One of the things I think happened, I don't know, is that I think I think Bill gave Steve and Gerard back more control of the defense. Uh, I don't know whether that was the case or not. Uh, it would it would make sense if Steve was say. Uh, in charge of third down packages or something like that, that he would talk to the team on Thursday or Friday if Gerard was in charge of the red zone packages. Mm-hmm. And also what people need to understand is that each of the defensive coaches has some sort of part of the game plan that is under their purview. Uh, like, for example, uh, when I when I was behind the, with the Texans uh, doing my uh, offensive game plan story with them, like the running backs coach had third downs and somebody else had, Hey, how do we react to their pressure packages? Somebody else had that. And they would study all those plays and then they would come together and make the game plan. Uh, So that different people were talking to the team different days of the week is not necessarily uh, a big red flag to me. Now my biggest concern, and I think where Belichick needs to focus on his defense is Who's coaching the coaches? Because it's one thing to have uh, a game plan or whatnot. It's it's quite another thing for, uh, you know, the the defensive assistants. Who are they getting the message from? And like, what are the techniques we're, co- uh, we're we're coaching this week? How who's correcting these guys? You know, what are we doing? And so, to me, that's what it looked like on film that there was a disconnect there. Like, because all of the units. For example, and this is something I I keep meaning to bring up that I keep forgetting about, the later in the season uh, you know, the Patriots went, one of the things that I saw that was concerning to me and specific to J.C. Jackson is he kept looking for the ball early. Whereas if you remember like the 2011 Patriots team, a really bad lack of talent defense and almost won a Super Bowl, those guys, whether it was the Ravens in the AFC Championship game, you know, Sterling Moore against Lee uh, Lee Evans, I think it was, the wide receiver. Yep. You know, he's not even looking for the ball. He's playing through the guy, playing through his hands, that kind of stuff. J.C. Jackson, just in the last game against the Bills, is, you know, looking back, and now he's jumping and he can't reach the ball. And that that happened time and time again. And so I, I think there's a disconnect between who's coaching the coaches who are then coaching the players and making sure everybody's uh, on point. I think that Bill needs to look at this and say, All right, we went through. Brian Flores was our defensive coordinator in 2018, won a Super Bowl title, held the Rams to three points. Then it went to Gerard and Steve in 2019, 2020, 2021. How did we do? How did we end up in those seasons? How did we finish? Did we finish strong? Were we well coached? I don't think they have been well coached. So maybe it's time. I think it's time for him to say, all right, enough's enough. It's been three years. Somebody's got to be defensive coordinator. If it's Bill... You know, let us know that you're in charge. And I'm fine with that. I'm more than fine with that. If it's Steve, do that. If it's Gerard, do that. If it's Matt Patricia coming out of the box and getting back on the coaching staff, do that. I just think there needs to be a chief to where everybody understands, not only, you know, from the DC to the players, but the coaches. Mm -hmm. All right. Who do I go to? Who do I go to to complain? Who do I go to if I want to tweak this or that? And I think there's been too many cooks in the kitchen. And so I think that. That is the number one thing. But I also think there could be a chance that, you know, the offensive side might need some changes depending on what happens with McDaniels in the job market.
1: So it's very cliche, but everything you just said reflects on what Bill has preached in his tenure as coach, everyone doing their job. And we all know that as fans and consumers of the product because when they win Super Bowls and they do those recap videos on NFL Network or the championship DVDs, we get all that, and yep. you go back to some of those teams, you got the sense who was running what. Patricia was a defensive coordinator during one of those Super Bowls. Uh, not, of course, not. we're not talking the Nick Foles one. We're talking about the one where he's, right. he's got Malcolm Butler. Even Brian yep. Flores, when he was anointed, when they beat the Rams. There's just a clear understanding, and typically... Mm-hmm.
0: And they have ownership.
1: Right. Typically, we're pretty aware of that, too. Like, publicly, we're kind of aware. In the last couple of years, it's been murky. We don't really understand. So I think Mm -hmm. to answer, to help answer your question about figuring out the staff, there's another question that has to be answered to help answer that question, which is how are they going to play on defense, which is a loaded question, right? Because we respect the fact that bill will game plan on a game by game basis, make adjustments at certain points in the year. But as we've talked about on this show, they have yet to make adjustments in the month of December and play their best football at the end. They became very predictable. Yep. So that's, let's, let's discuss that now. How do you think with what you envision the staff might be and how Bill decides to put the pieces and connect the puzzle, how should they be playing on defense to best utilize their current personnel?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I think it's wise that you brought up the personnel because we know the Patriots are at the end of the day and, and and maybe the next part needs to go before this because you need to figure out, all right, what do we have at personnel? Right. What's the plan with J.C. Jackson, who's really at this point in time your only man cover guy at cornerback, but he's a pending free agent. He could be tagged. He could be traded. He could just be let go. Uh, which I doubt to be the case, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit more in a second here. But I think what what you will see, and what the Patriots always do, is they will do off season studies about all right. They will analyze all the you know advanced analytics, the film. They'll go back over things. They'll say all right, what gave us the most difficulty? What's going to give us the most difficulty next year? When you're talking about defending the Buffalo Bills, um, you know, in their own division. How are we going to combat that? How do we need to play to do that? Um, you know, what's our personnel? What do we have? What can we tweak? What's out there in free agency? What's out there in the draft? You know, I think the Patriots, in my mind, and, and this is where they were basically before the season, before the Gilmore trade, before the Jonathan Jones injury, they have to be able to play a lot of a man-to-man. I think any team does. If you show me a team that's predominantly zone, that team's not going very far because the quarterbacks and the schemes are just too good right now. And so I think the Patriots, uh, need to basically say, all right, we're going to play more man or this year. How do we do that? How do we make sure we're ready for that? And we have depth for that. You know, who's going to be the low level free agents that we might be able to cherry pick and they, they can give us depth. You know, Jawan Williams is probably out the door, uh, because he can't do it. He can't match up. Um, you know, so I think the Patriots need to figure out what they're going to do. I do think they need to get quicker at linebacker. You know, is a free agent. Jamie Collins is a free agent. You have Cam McGrown, who was a decently high draft pick. I think fifth round coming off ACL. You knew you weren't going to get anything out of him, yet you still drafted him in the fourth or the fifth round. So, you you know, on film before his injury, good player. You know, we'll see where he is, but, you know, he helps you. Raquan McMillan was a linebacker that they signed in the offseason who really showed well until he got hurt and he was lost for the season. He's under contract for this coming year. So I could see Hightower gone. I could see Jamie Collins gone. He was sort of a fill-the-gaps kind of guy. Uh, Juwan Bentley, free agent. I don't know. They like him. I could see him back here. Uh, Kyle Van Noy kind of plugs a bunch of spots. I could see him back here. But, you know, you're going to have to have options – uh, if you're going to play man man you also have to be able to play man-to-man at linebacker. I don't think they can right now, but I think that's another area where you have to say, all right, we need to upgrade. And then finally, you know, how are you going to defend the run? Like Devon Godchow, I'm, you know, he was okay. He had his moments, but largely a whiff at nose tackle. Who's going to play nose for you next year? You have Lawrence Guy. Can he carry the load anymore that he did, you know, the previous four or five seasons in great fashion? He did not do it this year. Do you have any backups for him? Christian Barmore is a good sub-package pass rusher. Can he give you more? All these things will be looked at, and I think they are vital because they are going to have to have a picture in their mind of what this Patriots defense looks like going forward because we know the last three years the picture has not been good come December and January.
1: So before we mention any specific names, free agents, veterans, specific Tweaks, and we'll even get to the offensive side of the football as well. Greg, let's find out more about Bet Online.
0: Yeah, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march through the playoffs and beyond. All sorts of stuff on there for the Patriot uh, for for the playoffs. We were just not for the Patriots. We we'll have the great. lines. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm getting hung up. I, I I'm so used to talking about the Patriots, I get hung up. uh But maybe you can bet on the Patriots for next year. Yeah, uh, you know already. I'm sure you can. Bet online remains the number one spot spot for all your best sports wagering action for 2022 new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS 50 that's C L N S five zero to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts.
1: So our next talking point here, I I would make the case, Greg, this is the most important nugget yeah. slash category to the off season, and I don't think fans are necessarily ready because at least after the Cam Newton 2020 version of the Patriots. You had some guys come back from COVID opt-outs, and I think there was, even though that season didn't go well, I bet you anything, Bill Belichick deep down was like, all right, I know I'm getting some guys back. We're going to give this another go. But now we're in an offseason where we don't know the future, and we can make a long list, but just to name a few, Slater, McCourty, Hightower, Collins, Van Noy, and you can rank those however you you please in terms of importance, what they've meant to the organization over the years, but we're going to find out quickly. Well, we hope to find out quickly who the next voices are in the locker room. And that, that kind of relates to our Matt Judon discussion from a few weeks ago. Just like they're relying on some of these pickups they got in free agency or young draft picks to be those guys. So when we say deal with the veterans, I'm curious as to what Bill finds important. Maybe he does like. We might think let go a high tower from a scheme standpoint, but maybe Bill's like, no, I need him to like be my right my leader with 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 the microphone. You know what I'm saying? Like that that's mm-hmm. there's going to be a decision of ability on the field versus oh I I need some vocal guys to stick around, and that leads to the coaching rift with the Beliche- Steve Belichick and and Mayo. It's a very it's a big call here. These free agents, these yeah, specials.
0: you're absolutely right. And I think to me the toughest call and the biggest call is Devin McCourty. Because to me, there's no ready replacement at free safety. You know, certainly Adrian Phillips can do it. That's not his forte. He's more of a robber, kind of play in the box type of safety, defend the run. Kyle Duggar's very similar. I don't see Duggar as a, you know, Ed Reed type, you know, hey, what's the offense shifting to? You know, where am I going to go? I'm going to fake this quarterback out. That's not his game at all. And so now you look at, maybe Miles Bryant or, you know, Jalen Mills was a guy who was signed as sort of a safety cornerback hybrid for this team. It was basically Jalen Mills was, we're not sure what his best position is. And the Patriots often do this, and I really like how they do this. And it's part of the reason for their success is they will identify a guy where they say, you know, he's a good football player. You know, maybe he wasn't the right fit for what Philly was doing. But just like Adrian Phillips, I mean – Anybody who watched film, and I certainly watched a lot after they signed him with the Chargers, and I was like, holy cow, this guy is a perfect fit for what they do. He'd be a great robber safety, and and that's what he's been. And so they're great at that. So Mills, I could see Mills possibly filling the role, but I think Devin McCourty is a guy who, you know, say Slater moves on, say Hightower moves on. Yep. Like you're right. The, the, the leadership void. Hey, you know, this is what we've done. This is who we are as the Patriots. Where does that message come from? Jawan Bentley, Lawrence guy.
1: I know it's cheesy, but when they win, when they post those videos on Monday morning of the, of the huddle, breaking up the huddle, it's Ben Slater for a very long time. And the guy next to him Mm -hmm. is typically McCourty. Like that's no small thing to me. Like that's different. Who is that guy to emerge?
0: Yeah, and and I think it's it's something they have to ask themselves. But here's the thing with Devin, well, he's his brother was with I think the Dolphins, but he was hurt. I remember seeing him on the sidelines toward the end of the season. I was like, oh, Jason, I miss Jason. Uh, you can't have too many good Rutgers guys, right, Brendan? Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but I think the thing with Devin is uh, I'm sure he would like to be back. Um, you know, he he did slow a bit, but you can play free safety and. Slow down a little bit as long as the mind's there. The problem is with a veteran like Devin McCourty and Hightower, how much are they gonna wanna come back and do the grind if they're suddenly making six million dollars a year as opposed to twelve or fifteen million dollars a year? Are they gonna wanna do that? Are they gonna wanna basically be Bill's voice? You know, do all those sort of leadership duties if they're doing it at like half the cost, I would have a tough time doing that. If I have rings and I've made millions and I'm a smart guy and I've taken care of my money off the field, I would have a tough time doing that. But then again, I'm not any of those guys or any anything close to those guys. But to me, you look at the list, and, and I'm sure people can find it out there. At BSJ, we have the list. I talk about you know who's the ready replacement if they do move on for those guys. Uh, you know, To me, Devin McCourty and JC Jackson head the list. There's no ready replacement for those guys in the pipeline. They could be expensive. What do you look like without them? How do you fill that void? Those are very tough calls for this team. And really, you know, you're right. It might come before the discussion about what do we look like on defense. But uh, they're, they almost go hand in hand. You have to figure out what we have, what do we want to look like, and how do we plug those gaps?
1: Well, and it also, I think it speaks to – the spending spree in free agency on the surface. We think let's reload, let's go after it. You know, we've got veterans in place, but also there was a long-term big picture thought of doing that to your point about mills and Judon, bill was thinking, I've got some guys here that are ready to move on. Or maybe he had prior discussions before the season about Devin McCourty and Dante Hightower. Like this is Mm -hmm. likely their final go with me. I got to make sure I have some pieces, some foundational pieces that have some potential. Let's go to offense. We haven't done much discussion on offense here. Wait Um, one
0: one second, Brendan, before we move on. I just want to touch on also part of this discussion is guys who are under contract for next year who might be too expensive or maybe their play like a Trent Brown. And I don't even have Trent Brown on this list. And I should have had him, uh, but he's a free agent. I think, is he a free agent? Yes. He's a free agent. Yeah. Uh, So he's not on this list. Yeah. Yeah. uh, But like, you know, Nelson Aguilar has a $15 million cap number next year. Jonu Smith, 13.5. Isaiah Wynn, 10.4. Shaq Mason, 10.3. Devon Godchow, 10.3. Kyle Van Noy $7.5 million. Are those guys worth that on your cap next year? And what do you do if you move on from those guys? So, you know, a lot of personnel, I think a lot of scheme, and Bill even touched on it in his – uh postseason press conference we have to look at the scheme we have to look at the player fits we have to look at you know h- h- how do the puzzle pieces fit and there is a lot on their plate there all the way around
1: it's unbelievable how they lose four of their last five and now it feels like they have a million things to fix you know what I'm saying yeah. like it's, it's I know that's like going back in time now and that's reflecting more on the season I know we're in the off season now but it's it's unbelievable. Like, if they, if they had beat Buffalo, I think we're we're, we're not talking like – we're thinking – we're talking about another game this week. It's just it's, – it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, offensively, correct me if I'm wrong. I know – I think I saw you tweet this, too. Someone mentioned it to you, like, as a possibility of going to get a Calvin Ridley or something, or how they're going to look at receiver, maybe get a number one guy. And they did it in Buffalo with Steph Diggs. They went out and got Diggs for Josh Allen. Everyone got knocked down a peg, and that makes that receiving core look really good what are some other things that you want to change offensively? Maybe you're talking scheme or specific personnel, but if they can go get Ridley, I know there's a big, uh, be a big cap hit if they go and do that. But I saw a report from a reporter in Denver had something on this. Benjamin Albright on say, he said something like wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots and Calvin Ridley unite next year. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's to me, look, uh, you know, just to caution people out there. Cause I know, you know, I've learned I've earned the moniker, the wet blanket of reason, um, you know, <laughs> for a reason. And look, you have to understand the Patriots aren't even near there yet as far as who they might get and who they might target. Like, so if you hear some guy on Twitter who has a blue check mark and says and, and attaches Calvin Ridley to the Patriots, it's just them thinking out loud. And Fair. really, those people don't know jack about what the Patriots are doing. They don't know jack about their scheme and what they look look at and what they prioritize. So just slow your roll. The Patriots won't get to free agency probably until sometime in February, you know, when they really dial that that down. But when you talk offense, first of all, we should talk about, you know, is Josh McDaniels here? I think largely the percentages are pretty high that he's still here. Um, You know, one thing I would keep a look at, I would keep a look, I would keep an eye on the Raiders situation, okay, because Dave Ziegler, I think we might have talked about it uh, on the pod. He has a strong candidate there as GM. When you're – Josh McDaniels, people will say, well, his name hasn't been out there. From what I understand, that's been from McDaniels and his camp. They are back to being very selective. Like, they're not going to take – I think there was a sense like when he took the Eagles and the Browns interviews, I think last year that he took those because there was really, for, for McDaniels, it was hard to envision. All right. What's our future look like? I don't have a, I don't have a hand in picking who's going to be our quarterback next year. We're coming off Cam Newton. We're coming off seven and nine. Didn't look very promising. So I'm going to throw my hat into the ring and see what happens with these jobs. I think with Mac Jones and knowing, all right, we have a direction as an offense. This was our baseline. And by the way, their passing, you know, offense as a baseline is a lot better than people want to give it credit for. I mean, you know, I know the Felgers of the world will go on and use stupid stats like yards per game to measure the Patriots compared to other people. But if you look at passer rating, it's Josh Allen, then Mac Jones. You look at, you know, all sorts of advanced analytics over at football outsiders, all their quarterback, all their passing offensive stuff. The Patriots were in the middle of the pack with a rookie quarterback. To me, that's pretty good. And I think the Patriots think that's the baseline, and they're looking for a jump into the top 10 next year. And how do they do that? I think largely they think that they can improve. But back to McDaniels. Now with with Mac Jones and what they have on offense, I think McDaniels probably has the feeling of, I don't need to be in a rush. I like where we are. We're going to be pretty good. I'm going to have my pick of jobs, And, and at some point, And if I don't even wait for, for Belichick to retire here, where I know I need the, the organization aligned a certain way where everything's on point that I'm not being just shoehorned in with, you know, the owner's pet project with analytics and they have all their analytics guy and they're shoving numbers in front of me, or I got to meet with Jeffrey Lurie every Monday and answer his questions about what happened. And they're mostly based on fantasy football. I think the only job that I see is Chicago. And this is all true. This is all stuff yeah, that goes I know. on. Uh, Chicago, I, I doubt. I don't think he has much interest in that. The Giants just named a new GM from the Bills. So they're likely going, you know, day ball that side. I don't think McDaniels has any connection. But the Raiders, with Mark Davis, who is hands off and say what you will about Mark Davis, uh, at least he gives his people opportunity to run their thing. I mean, gave John Gruden a ten-year, hundred-million-dollar contract and got out of the way. He also you know, and quick, so quick,
1: quick nugget on on Davis. He also just hired Becky Hammond as his women's basketball coach at the Las Vegas Aces. He, he's into like giving people opportunity and in rising the profiles of folks. So and that was
0: big. That was big for his dad too. I mean, Al Davis was one of the yes. you know the forefathers of you know, black assistant coaches, hired Art Shell as the first African-American coach. Um, you know, so, you know, if if Dave Ziegler gets the job in Vegas and, you know, Ziegler and Ziegler works for McDaniels in Denver, they have a long history, that could be something. If McDaniels moves on, then I assume Bill O'Brien would be number one on the list. He's been interviewing for NFL jobs. Uh, I don't think Saban loves Bill O'Brien. Um, so he would be willing to say goodbye, but then you look at, you know, Nick Haley on the staff, Mick Lombardi, but so, so that I would just keep an eye on that. I'm not saying it was happened. I would probably say 75% McDaniels is back next year, but you never know. Um, I think that, you know, when you talk about the offense, now you need to look at, all right, what worked for us and what didn't the two tight end thing didn't really work out well with two guys making a combined 25 million Hunter Henry certainly worked. John Smith didn't. You have Devin Asiasi who you kept inactive for basically two seasons. Is he ever going to do anything? Can you know how can they move? I think Johnny Smith, the only way they can really move him and not kill the cap with dead cap is a post-June one trade. So that means he's here for a while. You don't have that cap space. Uh, but you know, to me, we've talked about it. I think a quick slot receiver. Is more important than say an outside receiver. I think that Aguilar can be better in this system. You would like a speed element on the outside. It's not paramount, but for crying out loud, the Patriots have to find a way to draft one of these guys. They can't keep paying through the nose. And wide receivers grow on trees in college now. Find one and you know, let him be the speed element and and develop him and maybe sit behind Aguilar for a year, contribute, whatever. But I think I think you go with Hunter Henry. You probably find a way to get rid of Johnny Smith. You go to more of a tight end slot scenario with a with a drafted wide receiver on the outside. If for some reason there's a cheap option that you like or cheaper, you're not paying through the nose for like an Allen Robinson or a Calvin Ridley or yep. you know what have you, then I would take a look at it. But I think the Patriots likely stay the way that they are with a few tweaks, and the belief is internally is that Mac Jones is going to be much better in year t- two after he has a chance to digest everything that he's learned this year.
1: Some quick follow-ups to that. Why didn't Kendrick Bourne have reps in the slot in San Francisco? Like why not give he, that a try?
0: Yeah. Very good question. Um, and I, I left Kendrick Bourne off. I I don't know why, because I think well, he is definitely one of your sure foundational he did, he pieces. He's going to be back,
1: right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, he, so, so, not every slot is the same. So a slot for the 49ers is more of a showpiece. We're going to try to thread the needle down the field. A slot for the Patriots, as you've seen, with Ju- uh, with Wes Welker, with Julian Edelman, those guys go right nose to nose against linebackers a lot of times or big safeties, and they're getting the snot kicked out of them. And that is not – while Kendrick Bourne certainly has the guts to go over the middle and will make plays over the middle, um, you know, on occasion, you can't ask them to do that 120 times a year, uh, which that's just on receptions for Wilker and Edelman. Forget the other stuff where you're getting broken right. up and beaten up. He just doesn't have the body for that. And Jacoby Myers is a bigger guy and can do that, but he doesn't have the quickness element where you're looking for, you're looking for a chain mover. But I will say, Brennan, for those of you, and you might be in this camp that is looking for, to give you a reason why, the Patriots might go outside uh, wide receiver either in trade, free agency, draft, what have you. You could make the argument that Mac Jones isn't Tom Brady in terms of what he likes. You know, you could make the argument that look at Alabama. Look at the way he's thrown some of his deep passes down the sidelines. You know, the one to Nelson Aguilar deep, uh, you know, in the Bills playoff game. You could make the argument that Mac is actually better throwing to the outside and prefers that than the inside, as we saw with Tom Brady. So to me, that's one of the things that they need to look at and address and say, all right, we know what we had with Brady. We knew what he liked. Is that the same thing for Mac Jones? If not, mm-hmm. all right, then you need to figure that out and go ahead and call an audible and go more to, towards the outside if that's how you think Mac Jones is going to be most comfortable.
1: Hopefully Bill gives Nick Saban a call, not just for his players, but. Ask Nick how Mac is comfortable to your point and give Nick Saban a lot of credit. He's done a nice job of finding top end receiver talent over the last five years. Like these Alabama receivers are freaking nasty. Now where they're picking, yep. I don't know if they're going to get some of the guys going to the draft, but um Certainly grow
0: on trees, second, third, fourth round. Just start right. drafting guys. I mean, I couldn't believe the Everywhere. last two years with all the wide receivers that were available. And we're hearing, oh, the greatest wide receiver draft ever. And the Patriots don't draft one. I mean, yeah, right. Bro, you're killing me.
1: Well, is it is it because they didn't hit on Harry and it's they just it, they're like it's like stage fright. Like, let's not do that again. Even though
0: then again you be. you would hope it wouldn't be. Just learn your lessons, move on, and say, you know what? because I studied this a while back when I was at the Globe about you know the Patriots and and uh, their failings at wide receiver because this has been going on decades. To me it's right. you got to start with speed intelligence factors with them. You got to be an intelligent wide receiver to play in this system. So I don't care how fast the guy runs. If he can't figure out coverages on the fly, you know like McDaniels in Denver identified Demarius Thomas from a run-based offense at Georgia Tech and Eric Decker in his only real draft with the Broncos, identify those guys, and they hit home on run. it. You know, intelligent guys. You know, Demarius Thomas had the intelligence and and the speed and the explosiveness element. Like they need to find that guy to fit in this offense. Maybe Josh should run the draft. Those two players are home runs. I mean, I
1: forget, yep. I forgot about Eric Decker and how good he was. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And they made, they helped Peyton Manning. That's what attracted Manning to Hell that job. It's yeah. a great point. Wow. Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe maybe Josh liked to kill Harry. Because it feels like what you just said was kind of an indirect I shot at it. kill Harry. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. Maybe. Um, all right. Before we uh, take a look at the divisional round board this weekend, uh, Greg will weigh in, give his picks after a great wild card weekend. Greg, let's find out more about LinkedIn.
0: These days, it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business, as I should know at BSJ. That's why LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Did you hear that? Free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of the most qualified people. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in del- delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com Bedard, B-E-D-A-R-D. That's linkedin.com Bedard to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: All right, so Bedard last week picking all six games, we had what was it, two games Saturday, three games Sunday, and the Monday night game. You went six and oh straight up, five and one against the spread. What was your what was your one miss?
0: It was the uh it was the first game of the week. It was the Bills, it was the Bengals Raiders. I thought um it was a touchdown game. The the mm-hmm. the line dropped to I think six or five. Five and a half to one point, yeah. Yeah, and but I it, thought the it, Bengals it, it would win, that. but I thought – yeah, I thought it would be more of a field goal game. So that was my one miss. Okay.
1: All right, so uh, those Bengals, uh, they kickstart the weekend. Uh, Bengals are visiting the Titans, and the Titans are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I got to tell you, just to to weigh in here, I think the Titans are being extremely disrespected. Um, I think mm-hmm. everyone is on the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase hype train – And if you wait just till kickoff, you might get this at three. But it could move also in the other direction to maybe minus four um, because I think sharp betters are going to be on the Titans. What do you think?
0: But, yeah, by the way, one thing I wanted to rant on a little bit, and this is a good takeoff on this because the Titans had the one buy in the AFC. Packers had the one buy in in the NFC. And this was part of my argument at the time when they were talking about playoff expansion. I hated moving away from two buys, okay, for a couple of different reasons. You know, I, I just thought it gave way too much advantage to the the number one seed. And, you know, for example, Tampa Bay, I think, would have been the number two seed in the NFC. In the, the old system, they would have had a buy. The Bucs go out there and they lose two offensive linemen in in, in the game. Um, oh, yeah, right. I hated that. Yeah. I, I hated that. And, you know, and, and the other reason is also what we saw from last weekend is that, you know, the matchups two seven, like the matchups are now, now it's two, seven, three, six, four, five, like the two sevens, like basically you have two or three teams in each conference that are usually the class and, and the, you know, their matchups aren't going to be any good. The two and three seeds which is what we saw. Um, I was more of a proponent you know not not one more team two more teams specifically because of the bye week and if you had two more teams you might say oh well this team didn't didn't belong in the playoffs and you know the Eagles stunk and you know this and that I understand but if you have two buys then you're talking a closer matchup I think you have much better matchup if you go three eight four seven five six I think you have a chance for for a better games wild card round B you have two teams with a bye so you don't have one team with a super advantage like I think the Titans and the Packers do this week you know like the Titans getting uh, Derrick Henry back and things like that so anyways I just wanted to rant on that but and that's part of the reason why I'm picking the Titans in this game and I think you're absolutely right Brennan I think the Titans have been completely overlooked I think that Mike Vrabel is going to use this to his advantage, and he's going to be telling those guys all week, look at the betters. They think you're the sixth best team in the AFC. They forget we're the number one team in the AFC and all this stuff. And and look, I think that the Bengals are a good team. I think that this should be a good game. But I think the Titans, and if they get Derrick Henry back and he looks pretty good and they don't turn the ball over, that's the big thing for the Titans. They can't turn the ball over. They can't play that way. The Bengals are not good against the run. They're okay, but if the tit- the Titans are tough as shit, you know, pardon my friends, and oh, on both sides podcast? of the ball. What would you say? You can swear on this podcast? Or you're just telling me that now? Well, I try, I, I try not to. So, okay. you know, tough as doo-doo maybe, um, but they are. They're so tough. I think they're looking at the Bengals and all the pub that they got, and they can't wait to come in, and I think they are just going to smack them in the mouth. They will hit some deep passes also off of play action. Tannehill's pretty good at that. Is he a great quarterback? No, but he's good with a good running game. I think they're very tough on defense and will make life tough for the Bengals. Uh I like the, I like the Titans a lot in this game. And, you know, they are well rested. I think the Titans front, defensive front, beats up this Bengals offensive line and uh, you know, kicks the kicks the crap out of them.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't mind laying the three and a half. And I feel like maybe it's because of the Patriots. and We've been saying this about the Patriots for basically since the since they went on that winning streak. They got to play with the lead. I feel like every one of these games, the team I think that's going to win is, is just better than the other with playing with a lead. And it, go, it yeah. transitions well to our next game, San Francisco at Green Bay. This is the largest point spread, uh, the longest point spread. Uh, Packers minus five and a half. It's been getting up to six as well, but we witnessed it. Niners in Jerry world. They needed what? I think the score they were up at one point. It was 10, Um, nothing. They had to play with seven
0: at some point.
1: Right. Yeah. So even right to your point, like that's you're up 16. They, they and they almost gagged it up as we all saw. Um, Do you feel similar? You made your point about the Titans having the number one seed bye week significant advantage. Aaron Rodgers, take care of business here?
0: Yeah, I think so. And and if the if – the, I knew the 49ers were going to be at full strength. I might feel differently. But, you know, Nick Bosa's coming back from concussion or that scary neck injury, whatever he had in the last game. Fred Warner, their great middle linebacker, uh, who's really good against the run and, and, and can pressure the quarterback at times. You know, he's hobbled with an ankle injury. Jeremy Garoppolo had the thumb. Now he's got the shoulder. Like, again – a Packers team who sat by and watched is now you know, welcoming a beat-up team into uh, into their house, and it's going to be frigid. Um, I do think the Niners will do a lot of things that will give the Packers trouble. I do think the 49ers' front four has been great down the stretch and will pressure Rodgers at times. I don't, however, think they can match up on the outside. I don't think they have an answer uh, for Devontae Adams, and, and you know, Aaron will hit some other players too. Uh, and I just don't – I don't think Garoppolo – I don't think they can do enough in the running game and enough of, you know, Shanahan scheming to take the game out of Jimmy's hands. Mm-hmm. I just think he's too beat up and too uh, mistake prone to, you know, go through this game clean. And they need to play a clean game. I can't see it happening. I think the Packers win relatively easily. I pick, pick on wow. the cover. Okay. I mean, the stat out there on Aaron Rodgers is he's 0-3 against
1: San Francisco in the playoffs. I think that's the number. Those Um, were
0: different teams, though. A little bit more physical. Yeah.
1: My only counter to that is no one knew who Raheem Mostert was a couple years ago, and he popped off for 204 touchdowns. Now, is Eli Mitchell that Mm -hmm. guy? I don't know. And the way they're using Debo. um, As you know, the Packers' run defense can be had. That, that would be my only concern. So maybe, maybe to your point, Sam Fran hangs around and then Aaron Rodgers reminds us why he's the MVP of the league and they separate at the end. I I'm I'm curious about the points. That's a lot of points to me. Um but yep. yes, the injuries to these aren't just fringe starters. These are key, key guys. That is concerning. So I think you're right. If there was more stability on that front, you're better off taking the points. But I can understand the counter argument. So we go to Sunday, the other side of the NFC, Rams, Bucks. I love it. I know I joked about this last week about Brady being at one o'clock or now it's three o'clock. I actually think this bodes well for Brady and the Bucks playing earlier in the day, West Coast team, yada, yada, yada. Take is, that an old,
0: is that an old joke there, Brennan? you saying Tom Greg, Brady like, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Greg, I'm t- it, 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 I'm not joking. Like, go look at some of their night games. Like, that game against mm-hmm. the Saints. Like, the dude goes, to, if he talks about drinking water and getting a good night's sleep, he does not play well in the night games. I'm sorry.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's a big
1: difference 6.30 for the Super Bowl. That is a difference. Yeah,
0: I agree with you. But I also think I can tell you one thing. You know who's... You know, who's cursing under his breath, the new playoff system. It's Tom Brady, because under the old playoff system, yeah. they would have had a buy. He wouldn't have lost his center. Ryan Jensen, who may play in this game, may not. Tristan Wirfs, his right tackle. I highly doubt if he plays, if he does, it's on one leg and he's not making it through the game. Mm-hmm. So you're going up against Aaron Donald and these guys with less than full strength on your offensive line. Uh, you know, most times I would like this matchup for, for the bucks. I do not. I look Matthew Stafford. He got over the playoff hump last week. He makes some really dumb plays at points and that could cost them in this game. But I just think the bucks are too beat up on offense to go along with the wide receivers they've lost. You know, now they've lost offensive linemen. I think that the defense has been challenged in the secondary all year. You know Sean McVay is gonna have stuff dialed up. Are they gonna stop Cooper Cup? I highly doubt it. Uh so to me, I like the Rams. I think the Rams are gonna go in there and and beat the Bucks. So that's sort of my my big upset for the week. I had the I had the Niners last week. I'm going with the Rams this week.
1: Okay. I uh I get it, and I apologize. I have a vacuum going, so if you hear that, um, out of my control. I Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I, I get it. I, it really is concerning, the uh, offensive line. They've pieced it together in the past. And to your point, the Rams have beaten the Bucks with that offensive line fully intact. So they, that's a team that's had their number. That's for sure. And this stuff off the field, I think you're pretty high on Bruce Arians as a coach, but some of this stuff going on um, off the field, like relatively okay, part. Sorry to put words in your mouth. I just wasn't sure. Okay. Um The whole like fifty thousand dollar fine for pushing his one of his players, yep. like that was that looked, was
0: a bad bad look,
1: very bad. But wouldn't you think too? Like all right, handshake. We'll, we'll do. The, we'll deal with this behind the scenes. The fact that the player basically let that get to that point, that's concerning to me. Don't you think? Like, because wouldn't you think something like that, they would handle it behind the scenes, not let it get out there, and there's no public tweet from Schefter about a fine and all that? Like, that's weird. Yep. That's bizarre.
0: Yeah, definitely weird.
1: Okay. All right, we got one more game, and I think this one is – uh, man, this one's tough, and the line tells us that. Yep. Bills at the Chiefs, one and a half. It's been getting up to two points. I'm curious what this line closes at, and I think the common sentiment is if you like Buffalo, you wait – as long as possible because I think folks will jump on the chiefs uh, once the line closes vacuum stop. That's good. Um,
0: Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. this is a very tough one. Um, You know, to me, if you believe in Josh Allen and the bills, there's no reason why they shouldn't win this game. I do think the bills are the bills are that classic team who looked really good in the first round and everybody overvalues them without taking in consideration what, we, as Patriots observers, know that that was not Bill, a Bill Belichick defense on Saturday. So I think there's certainly the fool's gold element. There's the there's also the element of that Josh Allen and the Bills offense has like one of the biggest variances in the NFL. That means that they will look like world beaters one week, and they will look terrible the next right. week. I do think it's a really good matchup for them. The, the Chiefs like to play a lot of uh, man-to-man. Um, they are not the most disciplined front team. I do. I could tell you this: the Patriots sat back last week, barely blitzed Josh Allen, let him do whatever he wanted to. Steve Spagnuolo ain't going out like that. He is. He is coming with the house at times. Um, the Bills have the weapons to counter that. There's a lot of reasons to pick the Bills in this game. Uh, I also think that I think the Chiefs, you know, finally got their mojo back. Recently, where you know Mahomes look like Mahomes yeah. last week again, that could be fool's gold as well. Um, I it, it, I'm very conflicted in this game. I keep going back and forth. I can see a path for both teams. I do think that the Bills have more avenues to win this game. I think that they could just let Josh Josh Allen run a lot, and they could win this game. I think that Mahomes at this point, is more prone to mistakes than Josh Allen. I didn't think I'd be saying that, um, you know, six months ago. But that's what he's shown on film this year. You know, but I'm going to go with my gut here. Uh, I'm going to go with that the Bills aren't as good as they looked last week. That's what I believe from watching this team all year. I think that they're closer to middle of the road. I think that the Chiefs can do some things to pressure Josh Allen into mistakes, unlike the Bills. Mm -hmm. So. I'm taking the Chiefs, but I do – this is a very tough call, and I think it's going to be an awesome, awesome game.
1: I feel like I'll sound a little hypocritical from watching the Patriots for the last 20 years, but isn't there a fear, too, with Buffalo, unlike Kansas City, which Kansas City has had years where they've been dominant from start to finish, but has Buffalo faced zero adversity in that game last week? And you look at it overall Mm – Buffalo, okay, they lost that game to the Titans on Monday night. That was wild stuff with the Josh Allen yep. QB sneak, but have they really like to your point, they, they haven't had they've been inconsistent, right? The Atlanta game, the Jets game, but have they really faced adversity this year? I mean, yeah, maybe I'll take that back. The Patriots game, the Patriots game and the wind, the windstorm. That was some adversity. The overtime loss to Buffalo uh to Tampa. Okay, I take it back. Kansas City, though, I mean, to me, it it feels like but you know why it's a tough game? Because both quarterbacks and both offenses are ascending at the same time. That's yep. why it's and a tough I, game. I
0: do think – I look, I certainly have my criticisms of Josh Allen and, and the Bills, but I will say, since the second half of the Bucks game, like, the way Allen has played – and he yeah. played crappy against the Falcons and, the, you know, the Panthers and the Jets, you know. So there's certainly that element to Josh Allen. And people – I find it convenient that people, like, look at – they want to say how great Josh Allen is because of the Teller. way he plays against crappy, a, a, a crappy Patriots defense, yet they just completely overlooked the way he played in those three games. Uh, but I will say, he showed me a lot in the second half against Tampa Bay. He showed me a lot against the Patriots, even though I don't think they were much of a challenge, uh, You know, despite what some people think. Uh, but, you know, so I, I do think he's on the verge – of being an elite quarterback, certainly an elite talent. I do think he's on the verge. He could deliver Sunday night and be that guy to me. He has to, if, if, if he truly is elite, the bills win this game on Sunday night and they really don't have many issues and aren't stopped on offense, but we'll see what happens. I hear you. I hear you.
1: And real quick, two other thoughts here. The the one that you made about Tampa now, Tampa lost a couple guys on their o line, like you talked about. Kansas City gets out of Pittsburgh just just fine. Yeah, talking about that two seven matchup, right? So they're mm-hmm. in a situation where maybe that was a good tune up game for them. They went down seven nothing. Yeah, they turned point. out to be okay. Um, my last thought for you is: it's the highest total on uh, Bet Online at fifty four. Are we going to get another shootout here, or do we think defense actually shows up in this game?
0: I think I think it's I think it's a shootout. I, I think yeah. I would. So it's like you said it's what, 50 something?
1: It's 54. It's the largest total. Yeah, I of- would go
0: over. I'm looking at two, two, two teams in the 30s in this game. I would right. go the over.
1: Because when folks look at the matchup, they look at all of the star power. And mm-hmm. th- when they played in week five, it was a high-scoring game as well. So that to me, I just think the total in that game is going to get a lot of attention one way or the other. So it's at 54 at the moment. So to recap, yep. you've got, you've got – the three favorites, Titans, Packers, Chiefs, and you're taking the Rams over the Bucks.
0: Yep. Yep. Very good. Let's see how I do.
1: <laughs> we'll see. You're betting against Brady, so we'll find out.
0: And uh, so again, Great. last words.
1: Six and zero oh straight up, five and one against the spread last week. Okay, before we go, it's time to get to our BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. We take these every episode, so... And Greg keeps an eye on this. He's happy to get to your questions, so be sure to submit. Check us out over at BSJ, thirty nine ninety nine in our annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston sports teams, but if you're a Patriots junkie and if you're listening to the podcast, which you are right now, a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis that Bedard does on the coaches' film. Direct access to him as well in weekly chats.
0: I have so, one this, this afternoon.
1: There you go. So we got a question from Mike. Hey, Greg, I know this is very unlikely to occur, but there is, is there a scenario at all where Brian Flores agrees to return as associate head coach with defensive coordinator responsibilities and a handshake agreement that gets the keys after Belichick passes Shula moves upstairs to a formal GM role? That means he'd have okay. to be in, he'd have to be in on that for multiple years.
0: Yeah. And I, and I do think here's the other thing about that. I think that, um, you know, you're talking about a bunch of scenarios that, you know, have to happen like, um, uh, you know, McDaniel. what about McDaniels? Uh, Okay. Like he, you know, he's here. He might want to, to, to to have a say in that. Uh, And I also think, you know, it's also, you have to understand that the Patriots don't do this. Like the only people who would name the next head coach of the crafts and Nobody broaches Bill's future. Bill just shuts his mouth and does his job. No one knows when he's going to – Josh McDaniels did not come back here with any assurances from the Indianapolis job that he was going to be the next head coach. They're not going to do that for Brian Flores. But I will say this, Mahogany Mike, that I love that scenario. You know, hopefully – you know, ideally, if, if that was to happen, you know, McDaniels would have to go take a job. Um, and Flores would not get a job. I do think he wants another job. He wants to be a head coach. I think he still thinks the iron's hot. I do think he has a good chance at a job, uh, so I think he wants that. I think he wants to be a head coach and be tough for him to come back here. But your scenario that you left you laid out, if McDaniels leaves, I would love that. I would bring Brian Flores back. He can be get the defense in order. He can be the next guy. Uh, I think it would be a win-win for everybody involved, but I think it's a very, very long shot. So if McDaniels goes, though, I
1: know you mentioned Bill O'Brien earlier. Could you envision a Belichick-O'Brien-Flores scenario?
0: God, that that would be a dream scenario for me. But, yeah, yeah, maybe.
1: Well, I'm only asking because if McDaniels were to go, who's running the offense?
0: Well, O'Brien would get first shot, or they go after him first, and then I think it would be internal like Nick or Mick Lombardi or somebody like that. But O'Brien, I think, would be the next guy, and I think he would have freedom to leave Alabama for that.
1: Yeah. I'm just trying to imagine if it's that, those three, well, Bill O'Brien might look at it and go, well, wait a minute. What about me? I mean, why, why can I get a shot at the head coaching job after, after Bill, but maybe he's lost that, uh, mm-hmm. that, that opportunity perhaps. Okay. That's going to do it for this episode of the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast, uh, brought to you by uh, BetOnline online, AG and LinkedIn jobs, Greg, good stuff. And, uh, we'll see how those picks go.
0: Yeah, thanks, Brendan, and hey, good luck tonight uh, with your, uh, what is it, t- tell the people where they can hear you tonight, doing a little lacrosse, right? Yes, sir,
1: ESPNU, we've got National Lacrosse League action, indoor lacrosse, box lacrosse, nice. we've got the Georgia Swarm and the Rochester Nighthawks, so.
0: Nice, well, there's a ton of lax people around here, Massachusetts is like almost the Belichick the whole will be watching, lax, so. Yeah. Hell yeah! <laughs> All right, That's man, awesome. thanks a lot, good stuff, thank you.